The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and Today, 1973, Part 6. In this episode, we will cover June 30th through August 31st. With rumors of a Beatles reunion happening in Los Angeles and the chart-topping LPs, The Beatles 62-66, to The Beatles 67-70, to Living in the Material World by George Harrison, Red Rose Speedway by Paul McCartney and Wings, along with several singles reaching number one by the ex-Beatles, Beatlemania is starting to experience a resurgence. To capitalize on this, on July 1st, in New York, rehearsals are being held for the Robert Stigwood-produced Beatles musical stage play, provisionally titled Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band with the one and only Billy Shears. The show is being directed by Tom O'Horgan and is scheduled to open in Chicago in the summer. Meanwhile, also on July 1st at the record plant in New York, Yoko begins recording tracks for her next album, tentatively titled Straight Talk. In an adjacent studio, John is recording tracks for his next studio album. This would be a follow-up to both the collaboratory John and Yoko Sometime in New York City LP and his successful solo effort, Imagine. But Lennon is reported to be apprehensive about recording. When Yoko is asked, she states that he hasn't been in the studio for a long time and I think he's nervous about it. Two, three, four... I just didn't 
Uh, I don't work on musical projects now. I either write songs or don't, or then I go and record them. But it's almost like it's it's getting to be work, you know. It's ruining the music, so I just do it when I feel like it. And I get more interested in other things. Because it's, I don't know, it's like after you leave school and you, you don't want to read a book. Uh, I'm almost like that about it, although I still dig it, you know. It just gets to be that, you know. Every time I strap the guitar on, it's good, you know. <laughs> the same old jazz, so I just feel like breathing through it. One and a two and a three and a four. <laughs> 
the single action going on, John Lennon's having some excitement of his own. It seems that the U.S. Immigration Service wants to bounce John from the States, but they don't know just how determined the former Beatle can be. I began to think, I can't just live my whole life wondering about this green card. I'm, it's like, uh, you know, it's going to take over my life. Maybe that's what it's supposed to do. Maybe that's what their plan is, as it were, you know, to just have me only think about that. I, I can't, I'll have to stop. I was beginning to stop, you know, I'd, I forget about the problem until it's brought up by the court or the lawyer. And I, I just have to forget about it. I won't leave the country until they drag me out in chains because I want to be here. I love it. And this is where I want to be. And it'll be a, a hard job to get rid of me. After a bitter custody battle, Yoko Ono Lennon gets court permission to take her eight-year-old daughter from ex-husband Anthony Cox. But the father escapes with the daughter, and Yoko and John are forced to track the runaway parent down. Rumor has it that he's hiding in Dallas. One, one and two and three and four and a...
While John worked on tracks for his new LP, on July 3rd at the Hammersmith Odeon in London, Ringo Starr attends the farewell performance of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, a character created by British glam pop musician David Bowie. How long have we got? Found it. Has anyone Everybody, this has been the one of the greatest tours of our life. We really, of all the shows on this tour, this this particular show will remain with us the longest because. Not only is it, not only is it the last show of the tour, but it's the last show that we'll ever do. Thank you.
Meanwhile, Paul McCartney and his band Wings get ready for their second leg of the British tour. On July 4th, Wings play Sheffield City Hall. The next day, on July 5th, Paul and Linda cancel a scheduled concert at Trentham Gardens in Stroke-on-Trent due to the London premiere of the film Live and Let Die at the Odeon Cinema in Leicester Square. Paul arrives in a tuxedo and a bow tie, but no shirt. On July 6th, Wings play Birmingham's Odeon. This one's the B-side of the mess. B-side of my love.
After the show, backstage at Birmingham, Paul tells Melody Maker, After we finish the tour, we're going to take a small break and get some material together. I've written a few new songs. I've got about four. A couple half finished, and we'll have to put them all together for the next LP. Paul is also asked if Wings have benefited from the tour. Paul says, We've learned a lot from it. Just kind of working with an audience. You get a bit rusty, you know, if you lay off for a while. I laid off for about six years in front of an audience, and the enjoyment of playing to an audience is something you get into after a while. Melody Maker asks Paul if the other Beatles are missing out by not touring. He nonchalantly replies, It's up to them what they fancy doing. It depends if they'd enjoy it. If they enjoy it, yes, they're missing out. I know Ringo said he just wouldn't even consider touring again. I don't know if he ever will. Paul turns his attention to David Bowie's recent decision to disband his group, The Spiders from Mars, a move interpreted by many to mean that he's quitting touring. I don't know why he's giving it up. I should have asked him. I met him last night at the premiere of Live and Let Die. I think it's a pity. I'll tell you why it's a pity. It's because I haven't seen his show yet. I'd like to see it, so come on, David. Just do a quick one for me. On July 7th at London's Heathrow Airport, George Harrison welcomes guru A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, the leader of the Hare Krishna religious sect. While in Great Britain, the guru will stay in the ten-bedroom mansion at Lechmore Heath in Watford, Hertfordshire. In your house, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it first time you have seen? Yeah. I've just seen the photographs uh, before. Uh, we saw uh, many places which didn't turn out to be the war. This property George never visited since purchasing it back in 1972. During the Guru's visit to the UK, George spoke to the Swami about his struggle to stay loyal to Krishna. I go around in circles. Maybe it's something to do with me being, you know, the Pisces. They show one fish going this way and one fish going that way. Huh. And periods when I just can't stop chanting. And then other periods where, you know, I turn into a demon again and I forget. <laughs> you are not demon. <laughs> you are demigod. <laughs> Somewhere or other you have got a cast to Krishna. That will help you. I mean, even at my worst, at my worst, I can always... Bhagavad Bhagavatam you are reading? Pardon? the Bhagavatam, you are reading? I'm reading the Gita. The Gita. Bhagavad Gita, yeah. yes, that is. All answers are there. And he goes, just read it over and over. Mm-hmm. You know, just one piece over and over. Jad-jad-acharati sreshta tapta-devita-rajana. The next day, on July 8th, George and A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami take part in a religious procession from London's Marble Arch to Piccadilly.
Meanwhile, back on the Wings' final leg of their British tour, the band play Leicester's Odeon on July 9th. Thank you. Merci beaucoup. Thank you, sir.
common market. Thank you. Wings play their final show of the tour at the Newcastle City Hall on July 10th. Ladies and gentlemen of Newcastle, let's hear it for Paul McCartney and Wings!
High, high, high got the British fans out of their seats and into the aisles, and American promoters rubbed their hands with glee at the prospect of McCartney appearing live in the States.
This was the last show of the Wings British tour, and after the show, Paul tells a reporter... It's funny, actually. You expect the London audience to be a little bit cooler, you know, because there's a lot more record business people and things like that, but... Uh, I once there's a bunch of kids in, once there's a bunch of ordinary people in, the, the reactions have uh, been very light tonight, you know, in most of the places. The main stipulation I have is that we can put the whole show on, because some of the holes we played in England have been a bit too small, and we haven't been able to use some of the backdrops and uh, certain things, you know, that we want to get in the show. So that's, that's the only stipulation, really, you know, it can be anywhere. But uh, I suppose it'd be kind of Madison Square Garden type of thing. Wings have their new sound, new ambitions, new popularities, and of course, the new name. I like the name Wings just because it really is a group, you know, rather than Elvis and different musicians. But... It's, it's more than kind of Elvis and the Jordanaires, you know. It's more, we're trying to do more of a group thing than that. Because he's got good, I mean, Danny Lane, for instance, is a fantastic singer and player. Anyway, it will, I think, emerge yes, with Wings if, after if, a while. If, um, I mean, Danny hasn't really come to the fore yet. You know, he's, uh, he's a guy with a lot of potential. I mean, he's, uh, you know, this is the idea, is that it gets to be eventually a more of a group thing. Danny comes a little more to the fore. <clears throat> so then it's kind of me, Linda, and Danny. So we're, we're hoping that eventually it'll just become wings. Paul also goes on to say, The way we tour now, it seems easier. It's not actually more organized, but we get days off every now and then, so it's quite good. It hasn't ground me into the ground anyway. On July 20th, after nearly two months of work, the sound dubbing for the Apple film Little Malcolm and His Struggle Against the Unix is finally completed at the Gate Recording Theatre in London. George Harrison. I was involved making a film called Little Malcolm and His Struggle Against the Unox. And in this film there was uh, a part where we needed somebody in a nightclub scene, just in the background singing a tune. And so Mal Evans brought along those two guys and they did the song, a song for the film, which really fitted well. Mm. The two guys George refers to are Bill Elliott, from Lennon's God Save Oz recording, and Bob Purvis. so much to me Remember all the people saying it just can't be done We have laws that will prevent you We are standing firm as one I wonder where they all get now and if they still recall all the good years spent 
then it came down But how wrong can you be? Oh, how wrong can you be? Oh, something just let go Tears filled my eyes It meant so much to me It meant so much to me Now there's just a memory of a once forgotten place Where I'd play when I was smaller Where the bus was never late It's all been changed around And apple trees don't grow there now Flashing memories of a lifetime Compensating with a frown On July 27th, Henry McCulloch, Denny Lane, and Denny Sywell traveled to Paul's Scottish Farm to begin a five-week period writing tracks for their next Wings album. Here's Denny Sywell. We started rehearsing for Band on the Run at that point. We were up at the farm in Scotland. We were just up at the barn working out the parts and everything. And one day, uh, they had a two-track running most of the time, and it was, it was good. It was really good. wanted to get a different feel for this next Wings album, so he booked studio time at an EMI studio in Lagos, Nigeria. Paul McCartney. The idea originally, actually, was just to go for a bit of fun, to tell you the truth, because uh, uh, didn't fancy recording in London again. Fancy getting out for a little while. What we did was we got a list of uh, studios that EMI had all over the world. Um, including one in communist China. Well, as that was a bit far away, we thought well, we'd go to Lagos where it'll be sunny and uh, warm and the atmosphere will be nice. Paul also chose this EMI location because it just happened to be the only EMI studio available during the three-week period he wished to go.
band rehearsed and recorded the songs that Paul had written so far. Paul had asked Denny Lane to come up with a song for the new LP. Wings rhythm guitarist Denny Lane. Paul just said, you know, he's, he was getting fed up with doing all the singing. And he just said to me, you must have some songs, you know, you're a songwriter, oh man, I'm fed up with writing songs, you know. He says, come on. I mean, he got me at it, you know. So I said, yeah, I got this one. And I played it to him and he filled around with it and added a verse. The song No Words was rehearsed. During the rehearsals, guitarist Henry McCulloch got into a row with Paul about whether a guitar line for one of Denny's songs could be played or not. McCartney insisted on McCulloch to play exactly what Paul wanted. An argument ensued. It may have been a leftover discussion from a previous one regarding Henry's solo on My Love and other songs from the British tour. Apparently, Paul wanted Henry to play every song solo the same every night, which Henry disagreed. Wings drummer Denny Sywell recalls. Paul kind of pushed Henry into the corner. Henry was a very organic type of musician, and Paul pushed him into the corner one day. He needed to have him knuckle under and play the same part every time, and Henry just wasn't into that. He was a feel kind of guy, and we weren't getting paid right, and that happened, and Henry says, screw this, bollocks, I'm out, and he just pissed off. The next two weeks, Denny stayed, and well, I stayed up there in Scotland too, uh, Denny Lane and his wife Jojo were up there about to have their baby. Paul and Linda were there. And Nick and I, Monique and I, went down to, back down to our place in London. And I, at that time, I, I kept calling Paul and asking him, if, can't we just put Lagos off for a month and find another guitar player to replace Henry so we can go in there with that, that band vibe, you know? And he said, no, 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 we're, it's all set. I, I'm going to go through with this. It's, we'll just do, do it like we did Rams a whole bunch of overdubs. And at that point in time, I said, I just don't want to take a step back again. Although Denny continues for the next two weeks, due to his financial situation, he second guesses staying in the band. There had been some problems, you know, like we, we were all working on a, on a hippie handshake. There was no contracts involved. I don't know if it was because of uh, Denny Lane's deal with his, his past manager, I don't know what, what it was, but we never really got any agreement down on paper. And we were all working on retainers, a very small retainer. I was earning one-tenth of the money that I was used to earning, and I'd given up a really good career in New York. I mean, one of the top bands in the world, and, you know, I, I, I borrowed money from the bank on the corner in South Ken to buy myself a used uh, Mercedes convertible, you know. <laughs> because I, I got tired of taking cabs, you know. But we weren't living high on the hog. In fact, I used to have to fly back to New York to, to do some dates and stuff just to be able to pay my American Express bill. And, and uh, we were doing tours. And after tours, the European tours, we spent so much money uh, on production and everything that we lost money on that tour, sold out tour. So uh, all in all, we're, the money thing started becoming an issue. and. Uh, I didn't handle it very well. I really didn't handle it very well. And we, when we left Scotland, I thought about it for a couple of days.
On the eve of Wing's departure for Lagos, August 29th, Denny Sywell phones McCartney and tells him that he's not going to Lagos and that he's leaving the band. Just picked up the phone and said, I can't do this either. Uh, I'm out of here. And, and it was really, a, I regret doing it the way I did, you know, because it was, came as too much of a surprise to him. He should have known. You know, it was one of those things where my interests were not being looked after, and it became business at that point. That's the trouble with music and making money. When music becomes business, as he learned with the Beatles, and here it was again, you know. I, I would have thought that after the terrible experience that he'd been through with his mates, that he would make sure that that didn't happen to Wings. And when that didn't happen... On August 30th, Paul, Linda, and Denny Lane travel to Lagos where they begin recording sessions for their new LP titled Band on the Run at EMI's 8-Track Studio. Paul is asked by a reporter about his bandmates. Why didn't Denny and Henry go along? Oh, I don't know. They didn't feel like it. You know, Henry had left the group just before that um, over musical differences, as we say in a trade. And... Uh, Denny said, well, I'm not sure, he just didn't fancy it, you know, anyway, they just kind of left. And so there were just three of us went down there. Along with Paul, Linda, and Denny, old Beatles engineer Jeff Emmerich also came along to perform his magic on the recordings. Paul McCartney. How did I get Jeff Emmerich uh, to Lagos? Well, you know, Jeff is a good friend from way back with the Beatles, and we've known each other so well for so long that um, we read each other. So I wanted, if possible, to get him out to Lagos. I had to go to his house, actually, cosh him as he came home from work and stuff him in a trunk and have him shipped out there. He survived the journey quite well. So Paul and his entourage leave London's Heathrow Airport heading to Lagos, Nigeria. Meanwhile, back in the United States, the ABC TV program, Goodnight America, hosted by Geraldo Rivera, transmits a short illustrated history of the Beatles titled, From Liverpool to Let It Be. This feature runs 14 minutes and chronicles the Beatles' history from 1962 through 1971. From Liverpool to Let It Be. Then we get heavy for a while. As I said earlier, we have a report on the plight of the migrant farm workers in this country. It includes an informal talk I had recently with Senator Ted Kennedy. University of Arizona in Tucson, and one night I was watching the Ed Sullivan show, a group called The Beatles was appearing. I remember thinking how hokey that name was. 
Well, the show was on the air at 8 o'clock on Sunday night. At 7.30, just before it hit, I was combing my hair in a kind of Mickey Mantle part. It was a lot shorter than it is now. It was all slicked down and kind of like this. I can't really do it anymore. By 9 o'clock that same night, my life had really changed. The part in my hair was gone, so was the wild root cream oil, and I was pulling hair down, <laughs> I was pulling hair down over my forehead and my ears, and I, and I really wasn't alone. The Beatles had a more profound influence on contemporary values than anyone else on earth. Now, you might know how they affected the way people looked and dressed and what the kids did in their leisure time, but maybe you don't know how really big they were. I've memorized some statistics. Uh, Lennon and McCartney... John Lennon and Paul McCartney together wrote 30 songs, each of which sold over a million copies. And the gross sales of the group worldwide, incredible, $750 million. Now, I'm sure that that's more than the gross national product of a lot of small countries. Well, thanks to people like Ed Sullivan and Sid Bernstein, who was the promoter of the first Beatles concert at Shea Stadium, he's here, and Dave Morrell, who's the world's foremost collectors of uh, Beatle memorabilia, uh, we've managed to put together a history of the group, history of the Beatles from the beginning until their breakup just about three years ago. It was animated by a very talented producer named Chuck Braverman. Now we call this section The Beatles, From Liverpool to Let It Be. Bye. 
Love was such an easy game to play Now I need a place to hide away Oh, I believe in yesterday boys become men, they finally get bored with wearing matching Edwardian suits, and you'll see that, you'll see the breakup when Goodnight America continues right after this. Despite recent reports that the group was contemplating coming together again, I have to say that I really doubt it. They'll probably do things like occasionally helping each other out during recording sessions, but I don't think they'll ever publicly perform together again, at least. For one thing, because of that very, I think, unfair ruling of the Immigration Department, John can't leave the country because if he does, he won't be allowed back in. Now, on the other hand, Paul is in England, and he can't get into America for the same reason that John can't get out. So, for now at least, that's uh, a catch-22. For now at least, they're an ocean apart. Now, the Beatles broke up in May of 1970, three years ago. But still, three years later, they have incredibly four albums in the top ten. One by Paul, one by George, and two, which are the, the group's biggest hits. Now, as I said before, I'll say it again, there's never in the history of music been anything like the Beatles before, and I doubt very seriously if there ever be anything like the Beatles again. In London, the offices located at 3 Savile Row are moved to 54 St. James Street. Although the basement recording studio remains, the move is purely financial as Apple is preparing to rent or sell the office space. Oh, I'm sorry, but it's time to move away. Though inside my heart, I really want to stay. Believe the love we have is so sincere. You know the gift you have will always be the apple of my eye. But now the time has come to part Oh, I'm sorry, but it's time to make a stand Oh, we never meant to bite the loving hand Children, now we're overgrown You're the apple of my eye You're the apple of my heart But now the 
time has come to part offer forthcoming from the Beatles or Apple, Beatles ex-manager Alan Williams, clutching the 1962 Star Club tapes that he and Ted Taylor recently discovered, finally meets with George and Ringo at the new Apple offices at 54 St. James Street, London. Alan asks £5,000 for the tapes. Both ex-Beatles appear uninterested. Or to contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time. Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts Yesterday and Today and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad (laughs) from his better show than ours. (laughs) Wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the show's As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? (laughs) Don't worry, we will. You can head to our social media pages. That's Facebook.com slash Yesterday and Today Podcast or Facebook.com slash Third Men. Or you could head to Society6 dot com slash Kaminsky Family Podcast. That's society the number six dot com slash K A M I N S K I 
Family Podcasts. Yeah, keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello? The lights just went out. (laughs) Guys, we need your help. (laughs) Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. (laughs) Thank you, Dad. All right. We'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see me. Thank you.